October 7th here at JR Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. So excited for it that I almost played our intro twice. Welcome to the Week 5 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Small. And Jared, it is Week 5. It used to be this is a quarter into the season. It's not now because we've got 18 weeks. So I don't know what the percentage is. But it's moving along. And we're on Thursday. So we have the Rams at the Seahawks tonight. Rams by two and a half in this game, over under 54 and a half. It's the second highest over under the week. And I want to start with Robert Woods because when a good player is getting disappointing usage or giving us disappointing production, what we want to hear is the coach say something to indicate that he wants to get him more involved, get him the ball, whatever, to talk up to his guy, whatever exactly it is. Here's what Sean McVay said about Robert Woods this week. Quote, this guy's a stud in every sense of the word. It is important to be able to get a handful of guys involved. That's something that I always want to continue to be intentional about. So when Robert's involved, that's a good thing for the Rams offense. We just need to get him some more opportunities. And that starts with me. It sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, actions speak louder than words to me. And we've had four weeks now where Cooper Cup's been the clear featured guy in this past game. Like, if you just watch the games, like Cup's the guy they're trying to get the ball to. Um, and, I mean, Robert Woods isn't dead. Um this matchup tonight is, is good enough. Like I think the Rams offense is going to have no trouble doing anything tonight. So I think you stick with woods. Um, but I, I'm kind of, I'm done expecting like the targets to, to even up between cup and woods. I think it's cup is the number one I think It's woods is a two. And I think it's van Jefferson as, as like the three and Jefferson's like woods is closer to Jefferson than he is to cup in the pecking order to me. Yes, that has definitely been the case so far. I think that's how we have to treat it for now. Coop is the clear number one. And he's uh, Coop. I'm calling him by a nickname for his first name, oh, just like putting it together with his last name. That's how good he's been so far. I'm just making him Madonna at this point. But the thing, the other thing that I like from what uh, Sean McVay said is that he talked specifically about calling plays where a guy is the primary option, where the ball is supposed to go to him rather than relying on reads to get the ball to the different options. So I, I think that we might see a little bit extra for Robert Woods tonight. I, I wouldn't go in counting on it, but as you said, the matchup's good enough that if the decision is close, I think he can take another shot on Robert Woods this week and see what happens. It's not like he's he's been disappointing, but it's not like he's been crushing us so far. He, he's 28th among wide receivers in our expected fantasy points. So he's, he's been getting wide receiver three usage. I think last week we already started to see you know the, the Cardinals defense really focus on stopping Cooper Cup and it worked to an extent like he had his you know worst fantasy game in the season even though the volume was still there it was Van Jefferson who kind of benefited from you know I think more attention to Cooper Cup it's going to be Woods some weeks and it definitely could be tonight again I think you stick with him Um, I I just I don't think he's like a top 20 fantasy wide receiver the rest of the way yes I agree with that and the matchup we said is good for him it's also terrific for Matthew Stafford Daryl Henderson and Tyler Higby tonight it is yeah you know Stafford coming off his worst game of the season was still decent in fantasy and like if he had played better he, he would have had much bigger numbers he missed quite a few throws in that game so again I like um all the pieces of this Rams offense tonight Seahawks defense has not been good um Tyler Higby are sticking with him Daryl Henderson has been a workhorse back when he's been healthy this season so you know I, I think he's an RB1 for week five mm-hmm. and then Tyler Higby I mean we're just gonna have to accept that there will be weeks where we wish he had more targets. Uh, that's just the way it is a tight end. He's been solid so far. It's a good matchup. I mean, he's in the mix toward the bottom of top 10 territory. 
Yeah, exactly. I think he's a low end tight end one. The usage has been fine. Uh, that was one of the throws Stafford missed. Uh, Higby was open right at the goal line near the end of that game, and Stafford threw low. So um, you know, Higby's still a big part of what's a top five offense. Mm-hmm. On the Seattle side, uh, you're playing the normal passing game guys. That does not include Freddie Swain, even though he scored his second TD of the season last week. He's seen just 11% target share, and it might the game might not include Chris Carson. He's looking iffy with a neck injury that cost him the past two days. Yeah, listed as questionable. Um, didn't practice at all this week. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll find out around 7 p.m. Eastern tonight if he's active. It's, if it's if not, I think Alex Collins is the lead back. You know, he's not going to be a feature back. I think you're going to see Travis Homer and maybe even DJ Dallas mix in, especially on passing downs. But um, yeah, I think Collins would be in play as like an RB three if Carson ends up inactive tonight. Yeah, I think if you're hard up, Alex Collins is in the mix. But don't go reaching over somebody that's actually good to play Alex Collins. Yep. Gerald Everett, I think the one more guy worth mentioning here, and he still needs one more negative COVID test from what I have seen today to be eligible for this game, right? Yep, that's right. Um, I got. I guess we'll just find out at game time if he's active. Um, I don't think he's a great player. I mean, I, I, I would say the, the Rams are tough against wide receivers, and they have, for the most part, shut down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in their recent meetings. So maybe that pushes some more work to the tight ends, but, you know, Everett, to me, is more of like a you know, DFS flyer than a than a redraft option this week. Yes, I agree, especially for a Thursday night showdown. Um, before we get out of this game, we've got a YouTube viewer that wants to know Robert Woods or Hollywood Brown this week in PPR. What do you got, Jared? Um, I'd go Hollywood Brown. His usage has just been so much better than Woods so far. And you know, Woods' matchup is a bit better, but I'm not scared of Brown's matchup against the Colts. Yeah, I agree. The only real knock on Brown so far has been targets, and I think that there will be enough, and that's certainly been an issue for Robert Woods so far, so I'll take the guy who's performing better. And, you know, they're both in offenses with plenty of upside. Yep. Anything else from that game before we move on? That's it. We fly across the Atlantic Ocean for the next Mm -hmm. game because Sunday morning we had the Jets and Falcons wetting the British appetites for American football, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, so make sure you have all your players set by then ahead of that one if you have to play anybody from this game certainly not a bad thing if you don't falcons by three for this game over under 46 it's actually up two points from where it opens so i don't know maybe there's a little bit more juice than you might think at first i guess starting on the jet side welcome back jamison crowder last week huh yeah, nine targets last week, which led the team. And remember, Braxton Berrios, he had 21 targets over the Jets' first three games, filling in for Crowder as that slot guy. So it, it's a good spot to be in this offense. Um, you know, I think Crowder, he's still lacking upside just until this Jets offense gets going a bit. Although Zach Wilson is coming off you know, his best game of the season and should theoretically keep getting better throughout the year. But um, Crowder's a guy I, I added in a few leagues where he was available um, this week. Uh, I think he'll be useful, at least when bye weeks start to hit. Yeah, we'll see exactly how everything fits together once everybody's back because we had no Elijah Moore last week with a concussion. Looks like he'll play this week. It'll be the first time this season that we've had Jamison Crowder and Elijah Moore around. My guess is that it's Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore as the top three receivers with Keelan Mm -hmm. Cole getting knocked out. But it's one of those things that we won't really know for sure until we see it, I think. Yeah, that's what I would imagine too, um, you know, with Crowder getting the majority of the slot snaps and, and more playing on the outside. But uh, I, I do think Corey Davis is still the, the top guy in this passing game. He, you know, last week was his second top seven fantasy finish of the season. He has two duds alongside that, but you know, he's had two big fantasy games now. Um, he's 28th among wide receivers and targets, and this is a nice matchup against Atlanta. Um, so I think Davis is in play as a wide receiver three this week. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Davis is the first one in, you know, not a lock to lead the team in targets, but the best bet. He was only three routes ahead of Jamison Crowder for the team lead last week. And then Keelan Cole was just two behind Jamison Crowder. So, you know, fairly close in terms of playing time. But Corey Davis has been the best bet for targets and production here. Um, anything else on the Jets offense? I mean, is it time to do anything with Michael Carter? <laughs> I mean, again, he should definitely be owned in all leagues. I think, you know, he's still not someone I'd want to use, but he is trending up. Um, season high in snap rate last week, 51%. Season high, 16 opportunities. Carter also led Jets running backs in pass routes for the first time all season last week. So he's kind of taken over as the leader on the ground and in the passing game. Um, and that, that that's worth something. You know, as, as buys start to hit, um, Carter is going to be a guy who you can throw in there and you'll probably get 12 to 15 touches out of. Yes, I will give you that it's worth something. If you <laughs> Carter's trending in the right direction if you have him stashed on your roster. I don't think it's time to really think about putting him in the lineup. And if you are, then you're probably in bad shape at running back. But things are moving in the right direction for him. We'll see where things go with the offense on whole. On the Falcon side, I'm not sure there's anything truly sneaky. I think the maybe the biggest underlying storyline here is that the usage patterns for Kyle Pitts and Mike Davis have been better than their stats would lead you to believe. They have been, um, you know, Pitts is still top six in basically any usage metric you look at among tight ends. He's third in our expected fantasy points to the position. So, I mean, you just got to keep sticking with him. Um, I, I think, you know, he, he hasn't killed you even through four weeks. I, I do think bigger games are coming. Um, yeah. Mike Davis, like you said, I mean, his, his snap rate is holding steady. Um, you know, he's still seeing like RB three type, volume so that's kind of just what i think he is going forward i mean cordero patterson played more wide receiver than he did running back last week so it's kind of interesting how they're using him like it changes from game to game probably based on matchup um, but davis is just sort of doing the same thing every week you know 10 to 12 carries and a few targets yeah and i think that's key for looking at patterson because it's not a situation where you have to choose one or the other between the running backs, because if, if Atlanta is just going to move Patterson around and use him where he helps the team, then there's room for both of those guys to produce. And for Davis, the Jets have been the third best scoring matchup for running backs so far, according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So it's a good spot for him. And he's been getting good usage, 22 more carries than Cordero Patterson and only three fewer targets through four games. So obviously Patterson's been the splash guy. He's got the touchdowns, but Mike Davis has been okay. Uh, and I think that what you, I, I'm never going to call Mike Davis a high upside guy. I'm not going to say go out and get him. But whereas people liked him too much collectively heading into the season, now I think people are disliking him too much based on what we've seen usage-wise for the two running backs in Atlanta and the fantasy numbers that have gone with both of them. Yeah, D Davis hasn't finished worse than RB32 in any of these first four weeks. You know, he hasn't had a ceiling game, but he's had a pretty nice floor. Um, and as you said, the matchup here is awesome. The Jets have allowed the seventh most rushing yards to running backs. They've also allowed the second most catches and the second most receiving yards to running backs. So it's a good matchup on the on the ground and through the passing game for Davis. And if you're a DS insider, you can check out the Fantasy Points Allowed and Strength of Schedule pages on DraftStrikes.com anytime to get those numbers that we're referring to. Um, Mike Davis is sitting tied with Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson in our PPR ranks for this week. I'm not sure I could start Mike Davis over Jonathan Taylor or Antonio Gibson, but I think it's interesting to look at a decision between him and Clyde Edwards Elaire because you you would think easily CEH after two straight hundred yard games, but Mike Davis is seeing 11.8% target share for the Falcons so far. CEH has seen 5.7% target share for the Falcons. He's seeing better 
a, a stronger share of the running back carries for the Chiefs than Mike Davis is for the Falcons. But we're also talking about an Atlanta team that has to lean a little bit more on its backfield mm-hmm. than Kansas City does. So I think when you stack them both up, Mike Davis is the safer PPR choice over CEH this week. Yeah, I would not start Davis over JT or Gibson. You know that that's the that's the cat the, the projected catches for Davis kind of bumping him up the, the PPR ranks. But you know when you factor in ceiling, I would play those other guys. I do like Davis over Ceh this week, um, and I think it's closer than people would think. Like for the rest of the season, and Davis is is, is in the much better matchup this week against the Jets. So I, I would lean in his direction among those two guys. Yeah, much better matchup, and I think it's skewing the view a little bit that CEH is coming off two straight 100-yard games, and Mike Davis just happens to be coming off his worst game of the year so far. Yep. Cordero Patterson, by the way, we alluded to him, but he's almost a must-play at this point, despite getting you know fewer carries and only a little bit more targets than Mike Davis so far. He He's good, and he's in an offense that needs him. There's not a whole lot that's been good for the Falcons so far, so that helps his chances of keep get, continuing to get targets, I mean, touches, at least at the level he has to this point. Yeah, like his snap rates are low, but Atlanta's obviously looking to get the ball in his hands when he's on the field. He has – Patterson has between six and seven carries in every game, and he has between six and seven targets in every game. So, you know, the, the volume has been very consistent. Matt Ryan has some upside in this matchup as well against the Jets, but still a risky guy. Looking at where he is in the rankings, which is well into QB2 territory, I'd play him over Trey Lance pretty easily this week. But Matt Ryan versus like Joe Burrow, Derek Carr is pretty much a toss up. Yeah. Ryan coming off his best fantasy game of the season. He finished quarterback three last week. He also was second in PFF passing grades on the week. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I wrote Matt Ryan off a bit too soon. Um, you know, we'll see if he can string two good games together. It is, you know, a, a good matchup for him this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's had two solid outings the past two weeks. Last week was certainly the best one for fantasy jets have actually been a negative matchup for QB scoring so far. Uh, that doesn't make me say watch out for the jets defense, but maybe it's just not as much of a pushover matchup as you might expect. So that that's why I'm like Matt Ryan over some guys, Matt Ryan, not somebody I'm overreaching for. Yeah. Jets are uh, 19th in football outsiders past defense rankings, which I think, you know, that's a pretty good representation of, of what they are as a past defense. Mm-hmm. New England at Houston as we get to the regular game times on Sunday. Patriots by eight and a half in this one, over under a 40. Uh, The eight and a half point line to me seems high at first with the Patriots going on the road, but Houston has fallen short of 200 total yards on offense each of the past two games. So after I looked at it for another minute, it seems pretty fair. And we get the, you know, Bill Belichick versus rookie quarterback thing. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we already saw it once this year with Zach Wilson throwing, what was it, four interceptions in that game. So um, this could be another shutout for the Texans offense. Um, definitely sets up as a Damian Harris game on the Patriots side. I mean, cu- coming off two duds, too. You know, that came against the Saints and the Bucks, two of the better run defense defenses in the NFL. You know, game flow did not work in Harris's favor. It should here. Um, you know, he, he still handled over 60% of the Patriots carries. Um, he also saw more work in the passing game last week. Um, Harris actually led Patriots running backs in pass routes. It wasn't Brandon Bolden. Bolden got the targets, uh, but Harris was in more pass routes in, in that first game with James White out. That, that's not going to matter that much this week. You're, you're playing Harris for the rushing upside. Uh, but going forward, that could make him a more you know reliable weekly play if he's getting two or three targets every game. Yeah, and I, I think that we still, even though Brandon Bolden got six targets last week, I don't think we expect him to really be James White the rest of the way. So it, it's good that Damian Harris is getting some of that usage. You'd expect to see some more targets going forward. Otherwise, on the New England side, Jacoby Myers is the only other guy that I think is really 
attractive. He remains allergic to the end zone, but I, I, he has seen 12 plus targets, eight plus catches in two straight games. I think he's a solid wide receiver three in PPR right now on a weekly basis. Yeah, it feels right. And if he ever finds the end zone, you know, he's going to finish as a top 20 PPR wide receiver. Probably he's eighth among all wide receivers in both targets and catches. Um, you know, we know that the yards per catch is low and, you know, he hasn't found the end zone as a pro yet. Um, but the, uh, the volume makes him a, a pretty safe weekly play. And again, the matchup here is good. I think it's pretty clearly an allergy in his case because he has found it as a passer. So he <laughs> right. can do it from long distance. I think the question yeah. is, does he throw his second career touchdown pass before he catches his first career touchdown? I kind of hope so. That'd be cool. <laughs> it would be. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, by the way, sits 18 targets behind <laughs> Jacoby Myers as the number two guy on the team in that category. And then Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, right in that same area. To me, both of those guys are just kind of in that huddled mass of tight end that's outside the top 12 where you just, you basically there, I don't think there are strong indicators in any direction among that group. You just start one and then either light a prayer candle or start chanting your mantra, depending on your belief system. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I guess both the Patriots tight ends are decent touchdown bets in this game. If we think New England's offense is going to have success. Um, Now, Henry's still playing a lot more than John R. Smith, but John R. Smith has seen five or six targets in every game. Like, you know, when he's out there, the Pats are still looking to get the ball in his hands. John R. Smith's actually a few spots ahead of Hunter Henry in our expected fantasy points. You know, they're both outside the fifth, uh, top 15. So they're both tight end twos, um, but they do get an upgrade in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Anything else from that game? Nope. Green Bay at Cincinnati Packers by three. The over-under is 51 and a half, and that's up three points from where it opened. I think on the Green Bay side, you start the usuals, but that definitely does not include Robert Tunyon, who has finished three of four games this season with eight receiving yards or less. Most recently, two catches for eight yards among seven targets against Pittsburgh last week. I mean, yeah, you can see the seven targets are encouraging, right? I mean, a season high, it matched his career high. Um, he also he also posted a season high in route rate at 83% last week, you know, in the, the first game without Marquez Valdez scaling. So the usage was actually there for Tony. I mean, he's he's not scoring touchdowns this season where, you know, last year he couldn't not score touchdowns. Um, so I, I, I'd still play him over both Patriots tight ends this week. I could see that, but that's when we're talking about the huddled massive tight end where I, yeah. I wouldn't bet money on any of those guys to outscore the other. Yeah. Like I'm playing, you know, I'm playing like the Dalton Schultz, the Dawson Knox. I'd probably even play Conklin at least in full PPR over Tunyon. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Tunyon's like a high-end tight end, too. Um, again, there's still upside there. We're there in Rodgers, especially with Marcus Valdez-Scantling, you know, given, given Rodgers one less target to throw to. Yeah, I would call him more of like a mid-range mm-hmm. tight end, too. I think it would be a difficult decision between Tunyon and like Max Williams and Gerald Everett if he's ready. I'd rather play Jared Cook, who's just yes. ahead of Tunyon in our rankings as well. Yes, me too. And I think that if I'm in a PPR league and Evan Ingram sitting out there on waivers, I would drop Tunyon for Evan Ingram because I think there's a better chance that Ingram is a consistent weekly contributor for PPR. Yeah, he's, he's going to catch more passes the rest of the way, I would say. On the Bengals side, they look like they'll get T. Higgins back this week from his shoulder injury. It's still the seventh most run-heavy team in neutral situations, and even that number is driven – uh, I guess toward the passing side a little bit after they went 10th most pass heavy last week. So it's still not a highly pass friendly offense, which can be bad news or can at least add fragility to the wideouts for, for the Bengals. Yeah. The, you know, the, these three wideouts need the Bengals to be a lot more pass heavy if they're all going to, you know, be consistent weekly producers. We'll see, as, as you said, if they're, 
pass heavier game plan last week is the start of a trend, you know, as Burrow gets farther be and puts the ACL injury further behind him. I think Joe Mixon, if he misses this game, that could also push the Bengals towards the pass. And we saw that last year soon, you know, when Mixon got hurt for the season, the rest of the way, the Bengals were much pass heavier. I would not be surprised if we see the same thing here. So, you know, Mixon's injury were obviously worth keeping a close eye on the rest of this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also a chance that they fall behind Green Bay in this one. I don't know exactly yes. how RBSDM.com, you know, does its process for measuring the neutral pass rate. I don't know if passing on first or second down in the second half of that Jacksonville game when they were trailing would count as neutral situation. So, I, you know, I don't know if maybe that helped drive up the pass rate last week, but it's going to be something to watch going forward. I think that T Higgins's return probably hurts Tyler Boyd more than Jamar Chase because Boyd is the more volume dependent guy than Jamar Chase right now. He is. Um, I, I do think Higgins works more in like Chase's area of the field. Um, but I mean, I, again, I think, you know, Higgins returning is going to hurt both those guys. I mean, he's going to be taking targets from both those guys. Um, so they need to pass down to come up. Higgins return is also going to hurt CJ Uzoma, who I, I would not use. I mean, he was a fine add in like FFPC just to see what happens. Um, you know, his usage wasn't even great last week. And again, with T Higgins coming back, I think Uzoma, you know, falls down the pecking order again. Yes, I agree with that. It's worth mentioning that the Packers have Jair Alexander dealing with a shoulder injury might keep him out this week. Kevin King has a concussion, another corner. He's not terrific, but he's a starting corner when he's healthy for them. So possibility that they're down two starting corners in this game. I I mentioned Jamar Chase. I think he's just going to be a high variance player going forward at a high variance position unless we get a lot more pass volume from this Bengals. I think that a, a good base for comparison is just looking at him like a more talented DJ Chark, but also with more talent around them. Yeah, I mean, Ch- Chase is definitely over overachieved. He is uh, 36th among wideouts in our expected fantasy points. So, you know, he's caught a few long balls, a few long touchdowns. You can't count on those going forward. Um, so, I, you know, Chase to me is still like a lower end wide receiver too, especially with Higgins back in the mix. Joe Burrow, by the way, has played well over the past two weeks. It's been positive passing matchups, so we'll see what he does when he gets into tougher matchups. But – if he continues playing well, I think it'll be easier to look at him as a potential, you know, week to week streaming option. I think he looks mm-hmm. solid in the range of like QB 13 to QB 18 going forward. Yep. Uh, quarterback 15 and quarterback 11 the past two weeks for Burrow um, gets Higgins back, hopefully. And this is another good matchup against Green Bay, you know, even before you factor in all those corner injuries you mentioned. And QB 15 on like 18 pass attempts in the game <laughs> at Pittsburgh yeah. two weeks ago. Yep. New Orleans at Washington Saints by two over under a 44 and a half. I still don't want to touch anything on the New Orleans side besides Alvin Kamara. And I would have to be in excellent shape at running back to be considering sitting Kamara. Yeah. I mean, I know the, the lack of targets hurts, although I mean, you know, before last week he had seen what it was like 14 targets in his first three games. Um, so he's still going to get some work there, but I mean, I mean, the rushing volume, he's third in the NFL and carries. Kamara is um, and he's fourth in expected fantasy points so you know that the, the loss of targets has definitely been mostly offset by the increase in carries mm-hmm. yeah and he hasn't even scored a lot of touchdowns yet which is keeping mm-hmm. his numbers down but a guy because of that carry volume that's pretty easy to keep in lineups on the Washington side it's a low floor matchup for Antonio Gibson and really a kind of a low floor matchup for everybody New Orleans number two in overall defensive DVOA so far even coming off that game against the Giants last week, number three against the run. So, I mean, 
Gibson's in play. Terry McLaurin's obviously in most lineups, but I'm not mm-hmm. reaching for anything on the Washington side here. Nope, me either. I think this is going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. Um, Heineke lost Logan Thomas last week too. He's on IR now, so that hurts Heineke's out. Like Heineke's a classic like spot starter to me. You can you consider him in good matchups. This is not a good matchup, so I'm not using him. Um, the, the one spot the Saints D has struggled is against wide receivers. They're 30th in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, so it is a good spot for Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel, I would not use yet. You know, he only played, I think it was like 36% of the offense, 37% of the snaps last week. Saw just the four targets. Um, you know, they're still easing him in. So we got to see Samuel, you know, close to a full-time player before we can use him in fantasy lineups. Yeah, Adam Humphreys ran 30 routes last week to 16 for Samuel and 17 for Deami Brown. So you're not playing Ricky Seals Jones this week, it sounds like. <laughs> Sternberger's in the mix. You see that? They signed <laughs> Jay Sternberger. Um, so uh, Seals Jones ran a route on 83% of the pass plays last week with Logan. He basically stepped into Logan, Logan Thomas's role. Um, you know, in this matchup and with Sternberger there, we'll see what he, you know, if he gets on the field, what he does. Um, I would not use RSJ this week. If we get another, you know, game of 80% routes and the matchup's better next week, I'm not even sure who Washington plays, but, um, he, you know, he could turn into like a, a low end option or at least like a DFS tournament play. I think he and Sternberger both are Texas A&M guys too, aren't they? Sternberger is, uh, yeah, Seals Jones was a wide receiver at AM. You're right. Yep. Obviously, they have a type there. And we'll see <laughs> whether Jay Sternberger can climb past Samus Reyes on one of the, I don't know, least interesting tight end depth charts. I, I, I guess least interesting for fantasy use, but maybe most interesting <laughs> for just, I don't know, personal stories. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I kind of doubt anything besides Terry McLaurin is, is uh, useful among these pass catchers, though. Agreed. Uh, Miami at Tampa Bay Buccaneers by 10 over under 47 and a half in that game. And Mike Gesicki is, I think the only dolphin that I can kind of believe in at this point. What about you? I like the wide receivers in this matchup. Um, Will Fuller's out for Miami. So that, so, you know, it's, it's Jalen Waddle and Devonte Parker. We know teams pass the hell out of the ball against the box because their past defense isn't good to begin with. Now they're dealing with all these injuries in their cornerback room. Uh, safety Antoine Winfield is, is iffy for this one too. Um, so, so you know, volume should be there for these Dolphins receivers in the game they're going to be playing from behind. Uh, I, I think Waddle and Parker are both in the wide receiver three mix. And then, yeah, I mean, Gasicki's a tight end one right now. Um, his usage is good. Brissett is he's, – he's been Brissett's top target, 18 targets over the past two weeks for Mike Gasicki. Yeah. And uh, let me see, six plus targets in three straight games, 19 and a half percent target share over that span. Most of that first game in that three game span was also Jacoby Brissett. So, yeah, you like the targets going his way. I agree with the upside of wide receiver and certainly not having Will Fuller helps the upside for Waddle and Parker. I wonder, I think there might be a little bit too much space between Waddle and Parker in our wide receiver rankings right now, Mm -hmm. though, given that. Parker has gone seven nine seven nine in targets and caught at least four passes in every game. More importantly, probably six point two more yards per catch and eight point seven yards ahead in average depth of target is Parker so far. So the stuff that he's catching is further downfield. Yes, I, I do. I think Parker needs to come up our wide receiver rankings. I like him better than where we have him. Um, I still prefer Waddle this week, though, because, I mean, the concern on the Miami side is can the offensive line give Brissett any time against, you know, what, what is a pretty good Bucks pass rush? I mean, Waddle's been the one doing that short range stuff. So I think, you know, he he kind of fits better in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think both of these guys are like if you're looking in wide receiver 
30 to 36 range, they have nice upside versus yep. the other players that you're considering down there. Yes, I'm going to be considering both in DFS tournaments this week. There you go. The Bucks side of the ball, I think all the usual guys are in play. My only quibble with the bigger names here is that I think Chris Godwin's a little bit too high in our rankings this week at 12. A fine matchup for all the Bucks wideouts, but Godwin's target shares have gone from 26% in week one to 13 12.7, 11.6 the past three weeks. Yes, I mean, I, I just still believe that could quickly rebound, you know, back into the 20s any given week. Um, and I do like Godwin in this matchup in the slot against the Dolphins, who have two strong outside corners. Um, Byron Jones is iffy for this game with an injury. So if he's out, you know, that helps. Mike Evans maybe takes a few targets away from Chris Godwin. But I mean, I think, you're, you know, Godwin and Evans, you're starting easily in season long. And then A.B., you know, Antonio Brown, I would lean towards starting him too. I mean, he's still the clear number three here in terms of like how, you know, how often he's on the field. Um, but, you know, he, he, he he's capable of leading the Bucks and targets any given game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Fournette, fairly easy start right now. I mean, I, I kind of wish at this point that I had been drafting him as much <laughs> as the Draft Sharks War Room had been telling me to in the preseason. Yeah, I did. He, he's my most owned uh, running back in best ball, which I was very scared about heading into the season. I'm feeling much better about now. Um, well, let's keep an eye on Gio Bernard, who was back in a limited practice Wednesday. If he returns for this one, he's probably going to step back in to that, you know, passing down role probably takes, you know, two or three targets away from Fournette. But uh, Fournette, the clear lead ball carrier here, and the matchup's good against a, a pretty bad Dolphins run defense. I don't want to keep an eye on Gio Bernard unless he grows back his Super Mario mustache. Agreed. Cameron Brait has some upside, but also a low floor. Five and six targets the past two weeks, but he has yet to exceed 35 receiving yards in a game this year. Yeah, uh, so Rob Gronkowski, I would assume he's going to miss this game again with all his injuries. Um, and and Brait was the clear lead tight end with Gronk out last week. He, he saw six targets, you know, caught just two of them, uh, ran her out on 70% of the dropbacks, which is a pretty nice number. Um, so, you know, he, he's and, and he's a decent touchdown bet, I think, just with how easy we expect the Bucks to move the ball in this game. So I think Bray is in play. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's right there with the Patriots tight ends. Uh, who was the other tight end we were talking Robert about? Robert in that mix. Tunyon, yeah. I think he's I think he's right in the mix with those those types. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about was him versus Robert Tunyon. I mean, if I had that decision to make, I really don't know which way I would go. It's a coin flip. It's one of those things where you can make whatever argument you want, but it's whoever between them happens to get an end zone target. And I guess overall, I'd probably bet on Tampa Bay having more end zone opportunities than Green Bay. So maybe that's the lean. But if you're making a decision like that, just know I'm not answering you with any certainty. Yep, rolling the dice on who's going to score a touchdown. Right. Philadelphia at Carolina. Panthers by three and a half. It's over under 45. Jalen Hurts on the Philly side is a must. QB four in fantasy points right now. I mean, he's just done it every single week. Yes, top top 10 quarterback all four weeks of the season. Um, He might be the only quarterback that's done that. I I have to pull it up. But um, this is his toughest matchup yet against Carolina. Although, you know, they've. They lost J.C. Horn a couple weeks ago. They lost Shaq Thompson now. So, you know, they've, they're dealing with some injuries. It's Hurts' the toughest matchup yet, but I, I don't think they're going to stop him, especially on the ground. So I think Hurts remains a pretty safe top 10 quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he finished QB3 last week, and he lost like three touchdowns that easily yeah. could have been on his line as well beyond what he did. Not like he ended up running for a touchdown instead of getting a passing one. So Devontae Smith had his first 100-yard game of his career last week. He gets a coverage matchup that we're kind of still figuring out. You mentioned J.C. Horn going down. They traded for Stephon Gilmore, who's not going to be ready to play yet. They traded for C.J. Henderson, who isn't really in the mix yet. So there's talent in Carolina. 
We don't know yet just how good that defense is. And Dallas didn't even test it all that much last week. They ran the ball more than they passed it. So we're still seeing about Carolina. So I guess ultimately Devontae Smith is in play low in wide receiver three range, more like high in wide receiver four range. Really depends on who I have to choose Mm -hmm. among their his passing volume. So the overall Philly passing volume last week helped him. He still saw just 20.9% target share, which is fine, but it's not like he's a dominant number one wideout yeah. for Philly. Yep. I agree with that. Um, you know, he, he's 22nd in expected fantasy points among wide receivers. So he's been getting pretty good usage. He's ninth in air yards. That's kind of what's helping him. He's getting those downfield shots. Um, Football Outsiders has the Panthers 32nd in coverage against number one wide receivers. Um, They gave up a big game to Brandon Cooks. They gave up the um, two touchdown game to Corey Davis back in week one. So, you know, they've struggled against lead wide out. So, yeah, I think I I think Smith's a a fine wide receiver three this week. There you go. Maybe I'm underselling Devontae Smith a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of homer phobia as an (laughs) Eagles fan. Um, We got Nate Hill on YouTube asking if we should play Hollywood or Devontae Smith in half PPR, which way are you going? Hollywood for me. Yes. Same for me. I mean, upside to both of them, but I think Hollywood's the one to trust a little bit more for role and for production. Having played longer with his quarterback for the most part, I guess. Yep. Um, otherwise on the Philly offense, uh, Dallas Goddard has been much worse in target share than Devonte Smith to this point, just a little bit less than 11% target share on the season scored his second touchdown of the year last week, lost another one to a penalty. So he could have had a truly big game, but still trailed Zach Ertz by three targets in that game. So it was a bit of a straw man performance for him. He's very close to Zach Ertz in uh, routes run for the season, which is not good considering where you drafted Goddard versus where Zach Ertz was getting drafted. It's a good week to be selling Dallas Goddard. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Goddard's just ahead of, of Ertz and routes run Ertz is ahead of Goddard in targets uh, 19 to 16 Ertz is ahead of Goddard in our expected fantasy points. Goddard's just 19th among tight ends and expected fantasy points. You know, he's getting like mid tight end two type usage. Um, he, he's better than Ertz. Like I think he should be getting more work. And I think, I think Goddard's a better fantasy bet, but um, he's, he's a, he's a risky tight end one with that type of usage. Yeah. I wrote up Goddard for our buy sell hold report, by the way, our second of the season, which hit the site this week. So you can check that out if you're a DS insider. And I, I think that it's the usage that we're talking about. He beat Zach Ertz in targets in week one. He has not beaten Zach Ertz in targets in a game since then. And it's also that I don't think that Dallas Goddard's game and Jalen Hurts's game mesh particularly well. Because if you look at the breakdown of Jalen Hurts's passing by level of the field, his weakest by PFF grade is the area where Dallas Goddard's dot is. So it's just not when you add that together with the spread it around pass offense that we've seen so far, it's just not a great situation for Dallas Goddard becoming a reliable fantasy scorer this season. Yeah, it's a good point. I think Hertz also struggles throwing over, over the middle of the field, doesn't he? Which is, you know, where tight ends tend to operate. Yes. Uh, Miles Sanders usage is a big storyline for the Eagles right now, especially for among fantasy players. And, you know, we talked about Sean McVay talking up Robert Woods, Nick Sirianni praised not Miles Sanders as a player this week, but he didn't go so far as to saying, I've got to get him more touches. He said something along the lines of, um, there have been more opportunities called for him than you've seen, but the lean on the RPO out there leaves room for Jalen Hurst to, to make the read and either keep it or give it to Miles Sanders. Now, I buy that there's some of that. That definitely does not tell the whole story of Miles Sanders' lack of touches over the past couple of weeks because we've only seen six total designed runs by Jalen Hurts 
over that span. So if you add all of those to Miles Sanders, you still get a crappy set of carries yeah. in those two games. Well, Sanders' problem has been just a lack of running back carries for the Eagles. Sanders actually has a higher percentage of the running back carries in the last two weeks than he did in the first two weeks. It was a 65% the first two weeks, 69% the last two. The Eagles have just – they've had 13 running back carries over the last two weeks. Um, Sanders also had seven targets in the first two weeks. He has seven targets in the past two weeks. So his role hasn't changed much, and he's just, got, I guess, gotten game scripted out because the Eagles have been falling behind, which, you know, will continue to be a concern, I think, throughout the season because their defense isn't very good. Um, but, you know, he, he's still the lead back here. You know, I, I, we, we talked about in the summer, Kenneth Gainwell is Nick Sirianni's Naheem Hines. I, I still think that's the case, and that that's kind of the usage that Gainwell's going to get, what we see from Hines, where, you know, some games he's going to get the eight targets he got last week. Some games he might only get, you know, a few. So um, Sanders is still the better fantasy bet here, um, but we've obviously seen his, his floor – in this offense, in the role he's playing. Yeah, Naheem Hines, I mean, Kenneth Gainwell's usage so far has been almost exactly what Naheem Hines was for the Colts last year. And, you know, that's what we've seen. He might be in there near the goal line. He's the two-minute back. Uh, There are going to be weeks where he outscores Miles Sanders, but Miles Sanders is still playing a lot more, still getting, you know, the snaps and potential opportunities that he should, but there are no carries so far. It's two games, really. The first two games, he was in double digits in carries. So there is room for rebounding without having to change a whole lot other than running the ball more. And I would think after the way the past two games went for the Eagles, they would try to run the ball a little bit more, especially early in games. But, you know, we'll see where that goes. I'm not saying start Miles Sanders this week, but don't drop Miles Sanders this week. Right. Um, Carolina second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So, you know, all that said, Sanders is – Still an option, but um, not a great option in this matchup. Yeah, and treat Kenneth Gainwell the way that you treat Naheem Hines. Don't just don't go the week after he scores a touchdown and say, okay, I'm going to start this guy, only to have four touches and nothing. Yep, agreed. On the Panthers' side, Sam Darnold, pretty easy to like down in that like low QB1 to high QB2 range, and the matchup for him is just fine this week against the Eagles. What are you doing with Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's um... – like a borderline top 12 play. I mean, the, obviously the rushing touchdowns are not going to continue at this pace. Um, but I mean, Ca- Carolina is calling designed stuff for Sam Darnold. He has 13 designed runs through the first four games. Um, and he's also sixth in the NFL in passing yards. You know, he's just 18th in passing touchdowns because he's scoring all the touchdowns with his legs. Um, so I think there's, you know, the, the rushing, t- rushing touchdowns will come down. The passing touchdowns will come up. Um, so I think, you know, especially versus a pretty beatable Eagles pass defense, I think I think Darnold's a, a solid fantasy play this week. Yeah, I think those two regression points are going to kind of meet each other and he's going to keep on producing. So I like him in that range where Kirk Cousins tends to sit. I, I think he's a similar uh, fantasy option. DJ Moore is an obvious play at this point. Robbie Anderson, if you went to him last week on the squeaky wheel storyline, <laughs> you ended up disappointed, but he got 11 targets last week. So the improved usage was there. It just didn't connect. I think if there were a worse matchup this week, I would say, all right, forget it. Let's bench Robbie Anderson. But as it is, I think that you consider Robbie Anderson low in wide receiver three territory against what's a bad Eagle secondary and a pass rush that hasn't even been terrific so far. Yeah. I think Anderson's still an option. Like he's, you know, he's not a must set. He's definitely, he's definitely not a must start. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, nice to see the 11 targets, but like I, I almost am more worried about him that, you know, he still didn't do anything on 11 targets last week. His, his average up to target came way down too. It was at 12.8 yards last week after being over 18 the first three. So Panthers definitely tried to do some different stuff with him. Still didn't result in a big fantasy outing. Um, we might get Christian McCaffrey back this week too, which would obviously you know take some targets away from, from the wide receivers. I think there was something like a 19.1 passer rating on balls thrown his way, even with no drops for Anderson. So I think it was a little bit of bad luck. So we'll see. Yeah. Again, as you said, not a must start, but definitely not a must set this week either. It's just so strange. Like Darnold doesn't want to look to him. And when he does, they can't connect with him. You know, they, they have a history of playing together. It's weird. I think it's the hair. It's off putting the Robbie Anderson hair. Uh, fingers crossed for Christian McCaffrey this week. We'll watch. Uh, he what was his practice level yesterday? Uh, limited. Um, Matt Rule said he, he said he looked good, and then he said he was. He said this morning he's hopeful McCaffrey can play this week. So you know, st- still seems like 50-50 to me. Nice because Chuba Hubbard did not get uh, the Mike Davis role last week. He lost yeah. five targets to Rodney Smith. Yeah, he was the lead ball carrier. Um, but yeah, as you said, he didn't play a whole lot on passing downs. That that was a problem, especially in that game when they fell behind Dallas. So um, I, I still think he's like a, you know, borderline RB2 if McCaffrey sits out this game because, you know, Carolina probably won't be playing from behind and Hubbard, you know, probably gets 15 or so carries. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not going to get that, that passing game work. Mm-hmm. Anything else in that game? Nope. Tennessee at Jacksonville Titans by one here. They opened as four and a half point favorites. So I guess betters are like, Oh, we'll take the Jaguars here over under <laughs> of 49. And on the Tennessee side, we got A.J. Brown back to a limited practice Wednesday. Still no Julio Jones. Both of those guys, of course, dealing with hamstring injuries. So we'll see what happens with each of those receivers throughout this week. Probably worth doing at least a price check on A.J. Brown this week, though, before he does return to a to game action. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'd want to be buying low because the, the hamstrings are always tricky. Um, but especially with Julio still out, like I, I don't know, there's a chance, especially for someone like Jones, that this hammy kind of lingers all year for him. And that, that could kind of turn Brown into the target monster. We thought he would be before Julio arrived. So um, yeah, I mean, if Brown plays this week, you're starting him um, Julio. I would obviously plan on not having this week considering he didn't practice yesterday. I picked up AJ Brown for absolutely nothing off of waivers in a home league, but a home league that has a hundred dollar <laughs> entry. So it, people should be taking it seriously. I wouldn't expect to find him on waivers anywhere else, but you can get him for probably not a whole lot right now. It's a, it's definitely worth checking. I think you could probably get AJ Brown straight up for Cordero Patterson. And really based on oh, man. the deals that we've seen this week, you might be able to package <laughs> something where you get more than AJ Brown in return for Cordero Patterson. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy, but I'm sure it's possible in some leagues. Yeah, it's at least worth looking into. I mean, like if you have Cordero Patterson, go ahead and pr- like go ahead and propose something where you're like, this isn't going to get accepted because it's worth a shot to at least see what happens this week. Exactly. What was it? Someone got DeAndre Swift for him, right? Yep, DeAndre Swift straight up, and somebody else got Allen Robinson and uh, Chris Carson, which obviously doesn't look awesome with <laughs> yeah. Carson's injury right. right now. But still, that's the kind of trade that even if it doesn't end up working out. I would still say was a good deal to make because the upside on either Robinson or Carson there is just much higher the rest of the way than it is on Patterson. Agreed. Anyway, getting back to these Titans, Anthony Ferkser got an okay five targets in his return last week, but he only played half the snaps in that game. Yeah, he ran around on 71% of the dropbacks, which is a nice number. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the volume wasn't really there, especially the, the Titans ran 100 plays in that game because we went into overtime and, you know, they had the ball so much against the Jets. So all the stuff was kind of inflated 
Um, so yeah, Ferguson is not really an option, um, especially if AJ Brown is back. I, I do think Ryan Tannehill is back in play if he gets at least AJ Brown back. Um, he, he he's just played well, honestly, since that Week One dud. Um, he's mm-hmm. up to eleventh among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade. Obviously disappointed in the box score last week, but I mean it's tough when you don't have any receivers to throw to. Yeah, it's also tough to highlight him when he's just kind of lost in this range. It also includes Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins. Definitely an option in that range, though. Yep. On the Jacksonville side, a nice week four for Trevor Lawrence, football-wise. Still ranked low in fantasy points, though. It was low passing volume for that game. Might be headed in the right direction. Might become a guy that we can use, but I don't think he's really a strong lineup consideration yet. Um, yeah, not yet. Probably with no buys. Although, I mean, the matchup's obviously good against Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lawrence is sitting one outside our top 15 quarterbacks on the week. Um, but yeah, it was it was his best game as a passer, I thought, uh, Lawrence last week. Um, PFF gave him his best passing grade of the season. He was 14th among quarterbacks on the week. But, you know, more importantly was the rushing we saw. You know, we saw the Jacks call multiple read option plays and Lawrence kept him, kept the ball on a few of those scored a touchdown. He ended up with 38 rushing yards on eight carries. So, you know, if that continues and it should like he, he you see what he can do as a runner, um, you know, that that's what could make him a, you know, spot start option the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And he just looked better overall in that game than he had previously. It, you know, part of it might be Cincinnati missing a couple of key secondary pieces, but in any event, we'll take it as a positive step for the rookie quarterback. We'll also take the positive step from LaVisca Chenault last week where he led the Jaguars in targets by a pretty healthy margin. I think he was at like seven – was it seven or nine last week for him? I think it was nine. Um, we also saw his average depth of target go way up. It was up at 13 yards last week. I mean, it's all it's all because you, you, you lose DJ Chark, and Chenault's going to have to play a more diverse role. He's g- going to get a volume boost. So, um, you know, Chenault was kind of like – a bench stash to me before the Chark injury. Now I think, you know, he's like probably a weekly wide receiver three and maybe even more than that. If he kind of, you know, overtakes Marvin Jones as, as the top option here. He's definitely worth taking a shot on this week against Tennessee. We'll see about that. A dot. There was a 52 yard catch last yeah. week. It's a career long for him. I'm sure. That boosted his depth of target, but you know, working a little bit further downfield will certainly help. I think both Chenault and Marvin Jones are fairly comfortably inside the top 36 for me this week against Tennessee. Yep. Um, last week was Marvin Jones' first dud of the season. You know, he'd been a top 36 wide receiver in each of the first three weeks of the season. He's still 23rd among wideouts in our expected fantasy points. So, you know, I, I, we'll see how the usage starts to go now between Chenault and Marvin Jones. For now, I think they're, they're both, you know, pretty solid wide receiver three plays. In the backfield, we've had two straight good weeks for usage and production for James Robinson. So at this yep. point, he's a, a pretty easy RB2 with RB1 upside. He is. Um, you know, Car- Carlos Hyde, we, I got excited. I was like, you know, he, he's a healthy scratch. It's James Robinson's backfield the rest of the way. And then then we learned that, you know, he showed up to the stadium with, with shoulder issues, and that's why he was inactive. He was a full practice on Wednesday, so I, I would assume he's going to be back for this week, probably to steal, you know, six, seven, eight touches from Robinson. So it hurts a bit. But, um, you know, Robinson's still, like you said, a pretty solid RB, too. That shows you how old Carlos Hyde is, is he is healthy, healthy, <laughs> yeah. healthy, and then he woke up with a bad shoulder. Yeah, slept on it wrong. <laughs> right. That's something I should be reporting, not a, an NFL running back. You're about the um, same age, right? You and Hyde? Pretty much, I think. <laughs> uh, and before we finish up with the Jags, I'll be curious to see if Dan Arnold's role grows. It's not yeah. anything usable yet. But considering that he just joined the team and then was already getting multiple targets in that game, it'll be something to watch for a team that certainly has room for a tight end to emerge. Yes, he's he's definitely their best tight end. And now with DJ Chark 
out of the picture. Like, you know, there's room for Arnold to carve out a role. So like, I, I like him as a stash in FFPC leagues right now. Mm-hmm. And he's got more downfield ability than most tight ends do. So he can help in that area, that specific void that DJ Chark leaves behind. Yep. Denver at Pittsburgh Steelers by one over under a 40. And I think the, the line here really shows you how bad the Steelers are at this point. They are home. They are facing a Denver team that just got spanked at its home by Baltimore. And we have to assume at the moment is going to be starting Drew Locke. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And yet Pittsburgh is a one point home favorite against that team. So, I mean, that plus the 40 point over under (laughs) is really, it tells you a lot of the fantasy landscape for this game. Now, Denver quarterbacks mentioned Teddy Bridgewater has a concussion reportedly coming along well. So he's not totally out of the picture for week five yet. Yeah, he didn't practice at all on Wednesday, which makes me think he, he's not going to clear by Sunday. But we'll see. I mean, if you're starting any Broncos player, I, I still think you want it to be Bridgewater. Um, Locke was not good in relief last week, completed just 12 of 21 passes through an interception. Uh, PFF had him 30th in their passing grades among 34 qualifiers last week. So um, it, it was it was same old Drew Locke. Um, he did he did target Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton pretty heavily among his 21 targets. So I, you know, 21 passes. So I still think those guys are in play. They're, they're just going to be more volatile with Drew Locke under center. Yeah, Locke adds a dot. He lowers catch rate versus Teddy Bridgewater in this situation. I wouldn't make a huge move in either direction for pass catcher values. And I think yeah. probably more important than who is playing quarterback is the Pittsburgh matchup has been a pass funnel matchup so far. So if we get, you know, 48 to 50 Drew Locke attempts and he completes <laughs> just 26 of them, that's going to give us usable numbers for somebody. Yeah, it will. Um, and Fant, Fant, too, by the way, um, you know, in Denver's first game without Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, Fant saw season-high 10 targets. He had a season-high route rate. It was up at 86%. Um, you know, he, He's already been a steady fantasy option. He has been a top eight fantasy tight end in three of the first four weeks of the season. And you know, I think his usage might continue to stay at that elevated level, at least until Jerry Judy gets back. Yeah, that's where I've got him. I, if, if I have Noah Fant, I think he just looks like a pretty solid top eight tight end. And I'm yep. not I'm not bothering to think too hard about who to start him versus, you know, whoever else your other guy is week to week. And I'm not really too worried about looking for another one to add to my roster, considering what else there is yeah. at tight end. I'm just kind of going with Noah Fant, knowing that some weeks are going to be down. But overall, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, you're you're doing you're you're fine if Fant is your tight end, and I would you know stick with him over the waiver wire guys like you know Dawson Knox and, and Dalton Schultz. Mm-hmm. Wideouts, I mean, you know, you mentioned Cortland Sutton. I think he's yeah. a solid low wide receiver two to high wide receiver three. Tim Patrick in kind of the the next step down, like on that fringe of wide receiver three to four. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably I'd have Patrick even lower than that. You know, that's that's kind of where he was for me with Bridgewater. Um, if we're kind of downgrading all these guys a bit with Locke, um, you know, Patrick is not someone I'd want to use this week. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Steelers side, Chase Claypool returned to a limited practice Wednesday. He missed last week with a hamstring injury, so we'll see where this week goes for him. But Deontay Johnson returned to reclaim the lead wide receiver slot last week. Yeah, I mean. J- even with Roethlisberger looking, you know, washed up, you know, Deontay is still producing just because he get he get, the guy gets double digit targets every single game he plays, which is, is really nice. So um, he's the top guy here for sure. I would I, I like Claypool over Juju if Claypool is back. Um, but you know, Claypool is like a wide receiver three, um, who's you know downfield ability is just getting completely wasted by you know Ben not being able to get him the ball down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Austin on Facebook is says that Juju Smith Schuster is on the waiver wire. He's wondering if he should drop. Um, Oh, drop Brandon Ayuk to pick up Juju Smith-Schuster. 
I'd rather stash Ayuk, honestly. Like, if you need 10 points this week, Juju is probably a better bet for it. But I, I just, I don't see him ever, you know, I don't see Juju ever being a difference maker where Ayuk still, it seems unlikely at this point. But I mean, I guess that there's still a chance that, you know, we, we get the guy we got last season. That's what I was going to say is it depends a bit on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a guy who's just going to be an every week PPR lineup option right now, then I would lean toward Juju. But if you're looking for ultimate upside, I would rather have Ayuk stashed and see if his role can even out and if he can start delivering on his promise. Yep. Um, Anything else on this one? I mean, Najee Harris, we didn't talk about, but he's kind of is what he is at this point. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to talk about Najee the rest of the year. I mean, it's, it's going to be ugly. Um, but he's going to get like six, seven, eight targets every single game. Yeah, it's going to be a usable ugly. Sometimes they'll get 19 targets. Detroit at Minnesota. The Vikings by nine in this one. It opened at eight. Uh, over under a 49 on the Detroit side. It's DeAndre Swift. It's TJ Hawkinson. And then you move on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, some injury issues to monitor in Detroit, though. Hawkinson didn't practice Wednesday with the knee. We, we don't know any. We don't know anything about that. Um, we'll see if he gets back out there today. Um they're going to be missing two of their offensive linemen, two of their better, probably two of their best alignment, left tackle, left tackle, Taylor Decker and center Frank Ragnow. Penny Sewell missed practice on Wednesday with an injury. So keep an eye on all that. You know, it's going to be tougher to trust than already, you know, shaky Lions offense if, if they're missing three alignment. Yeah. And it takes Jamal Williams even further out of consideration, which the yeah. nine point line also hurts. Yeah, he's just been phased out of the passing game since week one. I mean, week one's looking like an outlier as far as his passing game usage. So it's like he's just like the early down between the tackles guy and Swift's just dominating the passing game work now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say week one for Swift, on the other hand, just looks like the beginning of what his role is going to be the rest of the season. So yeah. I believe in him where he is in the PPR rankings right now. I'm not saying he's going to finish sixth, but Swift is definitely not a sell high for me at this point. Nope. Great, great passing game usage for Swift. On the Minnesota side, the biggest question is Dalvin Cook's ankle. It's obviously still an issue for him because he didn't practice Wednesday. He says he plans to play through it. It might be better for all of us, maybe including him, but definitely for fantasy players if he just sits out a game so we don't have to, you know, even consider whether to to start him or not. It's tough to bench Dalvin Cook if he's active, but it's also tough to trust that he's not going to split carries with Alex Madison again. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was last week, right? And Madison actually outcarried Dalvin Cook 10 to 9. And, Cook, you know, in the second half, it was seven carries for Madison to just three for Dalvin Cook. Um, the, the matchup's unbelievable. Um, so I think you probably lean towards using Cook if he's active. Um, yeah, it, it would make a lot of sense for Minnesota to hold him out of this game. They can probably win without him. And if, if Cook is out, you know, Madison's like a top 10, maybe top five running back play this week, you know, based on the usage we saw in week three in this matchup against the Lions. Dalvin Cook's ankle plus Derrick Henry finally getting targets this year is just a reminder to me that no matter what kind of preferences I have at draft time, don't go all the way one way or the other. Build in some room for variance, even if you don't really believe in it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I think Cook should have been ranked ahead of Henry. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, That's that's, that's a, that's a, you know, if you're doing 100 drafts kind of discussion, that you, you probably should differentiate a bit. Yeah, I'm not saying I should have had Derrick Henry ranked ahead of Dalvin Cook, but you know, if I'm draft, if I'm making the decision ten times, don't go yes. for Dalvin Cook ten times. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, Tyler Conklin didn't win Week Four for anybody. If you picked him up recently with his four catches for 18 yards, but the role is fine. Six targets yeah. is right in the mix among the team leaders. We had Adam Thielen at eight. We had Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne at seven, and then Conklin was tied with Dalvin Cook at six. 
Yep. And he set a season high in route rate at 73%. He was in like the mid sixties, the first three weeks. Um, so it, it was an encouraging game for Conklin, even though, like you said, he didn't put up big fantasy points uh, matchups, obviously good here that the Lions are actually dead last in football outsiders, uh, tight end coverage rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Lions have nothing that scares you in any area. Um, I've seen multiple teams, by the way, drop KJ Osborne this week. I don't think anything has really changed versus what we got the first two weeks, other than the production on his targets. The targets are still there. Six plus targets in three of four games, decent 15.2% target share so far. I'm not saying he's somebody to cling to somebody that needs right. to be rostered, but if you did spend money on him and you're not grabbing something of particular value, I think it's mm-hmm. worth keeping Osborne stashed in deeper leagues. Yeah, you're right that, that nothing's changed. Um, and he, he's probably going to pop for a few more big games the rest of the way. Um, so in, I think in deeper leagues, as by weeks start to hit Osborne is, is still someone that might be useful. Mm-hmm. Anything else from that game? Nope. Chicago at Las Vegas Raiders by five and a half over under a 44 and a half. Justin Fields time for real. He's the starter now, even though Andy Dalton is back healthy. Now, what does that mean for Justin Fields fantasy outlook and any of the bears? I honestly have no idea. We'll see how he is. We'll see how the bears are. Um, I would like to think that the team now caters the offense more to Justin Fields as it really commits to him going forward. But, you know, after the first two full game exposures, it's really tough to like anyone wearing a Bears jersey. Yeah, to me, last week was almost like more discouraging for Fields as a fantasy player this season than, 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 you know, week three was because Fields played really well last week, but he still finished quarterback 31 in fantasy points because like the passing volume was low. They're, They're not using his legs at all. Like he has, he, what he has six carries through his first two starts. Um, so like, I mean, we, you know, we need to see different usage from fields. If he's you know going to be the upside fantasy play that we thought he could be this season. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason that he can't do the same kind of stuff that Jalen hurts has been doing ever since he got on the field. I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to produce at the same level, but we should at least be getting that kind of usage with RPO stuff and a decent rushing floor and then see what happens from there. Definitely. Um, elsewhere on that Bears offense, I'd I'd have to be pretty hard up to use Damian Williams. I know the opportunity really? is there, but he's not that good. And the Bears are obviously a terrible situation for a running back right now. Oh, Montgomery just had a massive game. I know it was against the Lions, but I mean, I, I don't know if it's a terrible situation. It, he's just a volume play to me. Like I think, um, you know, Khalil Herbert uh, was he a sixth round rookie? That I actually sort of liked, and I actually grabbed him in a few leagues as a stash this week. Um, but I do think it's going to be Damon Williams handling most of the ball carrying work, probably most of the pass catching work. So you're probably looking at, you know, 15 to 20 touches. You know, I, I think that's why you're using Williams as like a you know lower end RB2 this week. That's certainly why he's in consideration, but we're also only two weeks removed mm-hmm. from David Montgomery getting 10 carries and Justin Fields' first ever start and what, like three catches in that game. So just yeah. don't, uh, you know, don't, overrate Damian Williams just because of the opportunity in front of him. I actually spent a dollar on Tariq Cohen in my main event league this mm-hmm. week to stash him. Should, can return by week seven. That's two games away. David Montgomery should still be out. So, you know, I, I figure we'll see what is said about Tariq Cohen between now and then see how healthy he is when he returns, but maybe there's opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. Good stash. Um, as for the wideouts, I mean, results mm-hmm. so far say that we should probably trust Darnell Mooney over Allen Robertson at the moment. I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that. I would rather just not use either one and see where things go. But I mean, if you just look at what's happened so far, it's tough to tell somebody that Allen Robinson is a better play 
than Darnell Mooney, who has a better catch rate. He's got no drops so far versus two for Robinson. He's got a deeper average depth of target. He's also got a worse passer rating on balls thrown his way. So it's not like he's been lucky in terms of what's thrown at him. It's just Mooney has yeah. been outperforming Allen Robinson to this point. The whole situation is tough to believe in, though. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Robinson. He just doesn't look he doesn't look good to me and he doesn't look good. And he's still in a shaky situation. So that's not a good recipe. Um, you know, Robinson's seen a 24% target share from fields over the past two weeks. I mean, it's, that hasn't resulted in many raw targets because um, the, the volume has been so low, but uh, Darren Mooney though is at 30% of fields targets over the past two weeks. So, you know, he's, he's been the lead guy. Uh, I think they're close. Um, and, and I'm with you. I would not want to start either of them until, you know, we just see, some more aggressive play from the, I wouldn't even say aggressive play because fields was looking downfield a bunch last week, which was nice to see, but um, you know, we need, we need more volume to make Mooney or a Rob a guy we can count on in fantasy lineups. Right. You can take a shot on either one, but uh, I can't confidently tell you that it's a, a good time to play either of those players on the yeah. Vegas side. Derek Carr is kind of in his usual spot. Uh, maybe he ends up being too low because he has been to this point, but the matchup is fairly neutral the Vegas line says yep. that we don't need to expect the Raiders to chase. So maybe that keeps uh, passing volume down a little bit, but the Raiders have also been fifth highest in neutral pass rate so far this year. So they're probably just going to throw the ball a decent amount anyway. So Derek Carr is a solid option. Not anybody that I would go dropping even for, you know, one of the quarterbacks that might be a couple spots ahead of him in our rankings. I mean, Carr has really just played one bad half this season. It came, you know, in the first half of that Monday night game. Even in the second half, he was, you know, productive, kind of saved his fantasy day a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Raiders at home here, um, matchup, like you said, is neutral. I, th- I think Carr is fine. I think there's better spot start options. Kirk Cousins is definitely a better option this week. Um, but, you know, if you've been rolling with Carr, I think he's okay to stick with. Mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro is solid as well. Higher floor, lower ceiling than Henry Ruggs. He's basically Cole Beasley with no controversy. Yes, he he's uh, 34th among receivers in expected fantasy points. You know, he's he's getting low end wide receiver through usage. So I mean, that's and all I'm gonna say. Play, all, all I'm gonna say he could probably play safety for the Raiders. That that was a that was a sweet play. The anticipation and the tackle, very impressive. That was awesome. I mean, he could yeah. probably start at free safety for the Raiders right now. Maybe slot <laughs> corner. I don't know. They put him anywhere. He's the kid who, on your like youth team in whatever sport, the coach just puts him at whatever position. Like, man, yeah. he's good at that too. <laughs> if, I, if I just never like seen the guy, I'd like him a lot more than I do. It's just hard for me to get excited about Renfro. And it's I, I know I got to be better, but yeah, we, we shouldn't get to see his face. He could also have a cooler name, but uh, yeah. he's he's just delivering to this point. Yes. Uh, Henry Ruggs, you know, is Henry Ruggs. What are you, what are you doing with Henry Ruggs? I mean, so he, you know, he didn't top five targets in any of his first 14 NFL games. He's now gone seven, seven, six, the last three. So he's trending up. Um, He's still boom bust. You know, a lot of his shots are downfield, um, but uh, he's, you could do worse as like a, you know, wide receiver four or flex. I I do think he's going to have some big games the rest of the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chicago's not scary as a matchup for wide receivers at this point, although they might get safety Tayshawn Gibson back for this game. Um, In the backfield, I would try not to use any of the Raiders running backs until we get a truly healthy Josh Jacobs game. But I think Josh Jacobs is a decent buy low option to look into right now. Not somebody I would go hard after, but the kind of guy that you could include in a package um, where if he has upside, awesome. If he doesn't pay off, then it doesn't crush the trade for you. 
Yeah, well, I will have to check his practice participation. I'm not even sure what he did on Wednesday. It'd be nice to see him, you know, off the injury report. Peyton Barber now is out of the way with his toe injury, so that helps. Kenny Drake was just completely phased out of the offense last week, which was strange. Like he was playing a big role in the passing game the first three games, then he just went away in week four. And Josh Jacobs saw five targets. That was it was the second most targets of his career, which which is crazy for a guy who, you know, came into the league as a pass catching back. But if that if that continues, then yeah, he's gonna be a weekly running back too. I'm not ready to count on it yet just because we've seen you know so many games of of the Raiders not using Jacobs in the passing game but um, definitely something to keep an eye on this week yeah and I want to see him in a fully healthy game at this point before Mm -hmm. I put him in the lineup if I can help it I I, I'll be curious to see if the Raiders run the ball more once they do get a fully healthy Josh Jacobs if that is a thing at any point this year last year they were just 19th in neutral pass rate I mentioned that this year they are fifth Mm -hmm. so I think it's possible that they're just running the ball less because they don't have Jacobs overall. Their running game is 30th in DVOA right now. So really not much reason to rely on that group. Yep. Um, anything else from that game? No. Cleveland at the LA chargers chargers by two over under 46 and a half. It was reported today, Thursday that Baker Mayfield has been playing through a torn left shoulder labrum for which he's been wearing a harness on the shoulder I'm sure he downplays any effect of that on his throwing. It has to affect your passing some, though, to be wearing something, even on your non-throwing shoulder, that you're not usually wearing. Not saying that explains away his issues last week, um, but it's something to keep in mind going forward. It doesn't really matter all that much, I think, because Baker Mayfield's not been a strong fantasy consideration, even at full health. Um, But, you know, something to keep in mind. You continue to like the usage and the upside for Odell Beckham, even with the shoulder harness on Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker owes me some money after you know costing Beckham all those fantasy points last week. Um, that was that was tough to watch. But Beckham was tenth in expected fantasy points last week. He finished wide receiver seventy eight on the week, so you know he was like the biggest underachiever on the week based on usage. So you, you're going back to Beckham, um, even though this matchup's pretty tough. The Chargers' pass defense has been good. Football Outsiders has them fourth in pass defense. They're second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, but, um, you know, back him at this point, seems like a good bet for, you know, like seven to 10 targets every week. So, um, and he looks good, you know, he's, he's getting open. He just needs Baker to hit him. Yeah. You could try going to that Baker Mayfield, um, yard sale and seeing if you could get a free item or two. There you go. I'll take it. Uh, Otherwise on the Cleveland side, I think it's really just the running backs and they're in their usual places, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, you know, Hunt's Hunt's been closer to Chubb in like usage than even I expected coming into the season. I mean, we know that was always a concern for Chubb is you know Hunt's presence, but um, we have Chubb seventeenth uh, in expected fantasy points and Kareem Hunt at twenty second in expected fantasy points. Um, you know, Hunt's doing most of the passing game stuff, and, and when they get to the goal line, it's like been fifty fifty between Chubb and Hunt. Um, so. You know, you're obviously starting Chubb, and I think Hunt's a nice play this week too because the Chargers are much weaker against the run than the pass. So, it, you know, it should, as usual, be a run-heavy game plan from Cleveland. Yeah, I certainly think that Hunt's solid, and I'm trying to look up the usage numbers. I just don't want to. I want to, you know, not overrate his role too much because he's like sixth in. I can't find the exact numbers, but he's something like sixth in fan, in PPR points at the position, but like tied for 16th in targets and like 26th and total touches among running backs. Yeah, again, he's he's 22nd in expected fantasy points, right. which I think is a, you know, that he's a lower end RB2, but I mean he's probably going to be more efficient than average, you know, just mm-hmm. cuz he's good and that that running game is so good. 
Yeah, he's a weekly consideration. Just make sure that you don't overrate him because he happened to score a touchdown or two the previous week. On the Chargers side, I officially hate Austin Eckler now, Jared, because his monster Monday night game beat my main event team by one point, kept me from going 4-0 in that league. So obviously that doesn't do anything to hurt anybody else's fantasy teams, but I hate him now. Yeah, he's going to beat a lot of fantasy teams because he is a stud. He's getting elite usage, you know, not – just in the passing game, but on the ground at the goal line, as we've talked about, he's getting those goal line carries this season. So Eckler is a top 10 play across the board, probably a top five running back the rest of the way in PPR leagues. And if people really call him pound for pound as a nickname, then I think that's stupid. Uh, (laughs) Jared Cook, among other chargers, reemerged from witness protection for a nice game last week. And I I like him better than most of the guys that are in that nebulous tight end range, like tight end 11 to tight end 15, because I like Jared Cook's ability, you know, the ability to get downfield, the ability to run after the catch when there's space. And I also like betting on Justin Herbert. So if you put those two together in this range where everybody is a maybe, uh, I like Jared Cook. He he pops to me among guys in that range. Yeah, I I like betting on this offense in general, too. Um, Herbert is awesome. Uh, The Chargers are fourth in offensive plays run through four weeks. They're fifth in pace and their eighth and pass rate so it's a fast-paced pass-heavy offense we we talked about cook last week i believe saying that you know his usage has been a lot better than his production has been so far and he is now he's sixth among tight ends and pass routes he's ninth in targets and he's ninth in our expected fantasy points so usage wise he's a top 10 tight end um and he i think he has a chance to finish as a top 10 tight end just with how good this chargers offense is definitely a chance to finish as a top 10 tight end um, and, uh, you know, on top of all that stuff, every time you hear Brandon Staley say anything, the Chargers head coach, you're like, oh, he's a smart guy. Yep. <laughs> um, all, other Chargers news, I dropped Justin Jackson this week in that main event league for the Tariq Cohen pickup. So I'm, I'm done with him after Larry Roundtree got 10 carries on Monday night. Jackson got some targets, though. I mean, it's it's it, he's a fine drop because if Eckler misses time, it's going to be a committee and you're not going to feel great about starting Jackson or Roundtree. Yep. That's exactly why I went ahead and dropped him. San Francisco at Arizona Cardinals by five. It's over under a 50 and a half. It's down three points from where it opened the week. And Jared, might we get Elijah Mitchell back this week, finally from his shoulder injury? Yeah, I have no idea. Cause I mean, he was limited in practice all last week. Uh, I, th- I think he still hasn't been clear for contact is what it seems like. And he was limited on Wednesday. Um, I, I, th- that's a big question for me is what, what does this backfield look like with, with Mitchell back? Um, Cause Sermon's played okay. I think he played better even in week four than he did in week three. The usage kind of stayed the same though. Like he's not in a full-time role. Um, and, and, you know, Mitchell kind of was before he went down. Um, so I, I would still kind of bet on Mitchell being the lead guy once he's healthy, but I, I honestly, you know, can't say for sure. Yeah. So I think that the one thing we have to expect going into this is that we don't know what it's going to look like. I think as long as you don't assume that you know how it's going to get treated, you'll be Okay. My guess would be Mitchell gets more, but Kyle Shanahan has said that Trey Sermon has improved on some of the things that were issues for him heading into the season, even in practice outside of the game. So I think that both of these guys will be involved. I don't think it will be as controlled a situation as it was for Mitchell over the first two weeks. Um, yeah. But I, I would guess that he still gets, you know, the the primary set of carries between them. I agree. Jimmy Garoppolo also not yet ruled out for week five. As far as I've seen, doesn't necessarily mean he's really in the mix yet, but Kyle Shanahan said something along the lines of when the doctors say he's out, I'll tell you guys. Yeah. Take, take a week off, Jimmy. They got, they got a buy coming up next week. Uh, you know, get that calf, right? Let us, let us see Trey Lance for a full game. 
it's always hard for me to hear calf contusion or quad contusion and by you missing a football game, but I, I'm not questioning him. It's just as somebody completely removed from it, it's tough to wrap my head around missing a game because you have a bruise on your leg. Yeah, you, you've had bruises. You've never had contusions. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, by the way, is a bruise on everybody's fantasy roster at this point. He went the other way in week four after an encouraging week three. And I think in the aftermath of that, it's tough to like anybody beyond Debo Samuel. I think George Kittle is playing because it's George Kittle. But otherwise, I, I, I would rather stay away from Niners, guys. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that the passing volume is coming down if Trey Lance starts. And I don't know, we'll, we'll see, but I also think it's possible that Trey Lance is a worse passer at this point of their careers than Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think th- there's concern for me with this passing game. Debo is seeing enough volume where you can still start him. Um, he has a 31% target share on the season, and he saw eight of Trey Lance's 18 passes last week. It was, that was 44%. So you know, that, that's where Trey Lance was looking. That's kind of what I would expect to continue. So even if they only throw it you know, 30 times, I think you know, Debo probably still gets eight to 10 targets. I think we have to assume that Trey Lance is a significantly worse passer than Jimmy Garoppolo, because if it were even close, then, you know, why not go ahead and play Trey Lance from earlier in the season? But, you know, we'll see. I think my my hesitation with Lance would be it's I'm sure it's exacerbated by what we've seen in the first two games of Justin Fields in that, you know, it's not just. okay, he can run. So he's got this floor. He doesn't have a floor. It could just be a disaster. That's totally what I was going to say is I think Justin Fields has, has probably made us scared to start Trey Lance. Cause I mean, we saw, and th- there is that downside, but I, I trust Kyle Shanahan, you know, to, to, to do, to use Lance in the right way. I mean, we, we saw, you know, Lance ran seven times in, in one half last week, um, you know, and he put up a whole bunch of fantasy points. So um, there, there, there's that risk. I, I wouldn't go benching any, you know, solid quarterback ones for Trey Lance, but um, I do think he's an option if you're if you're hurting at the position. Yeah, that's the other part of it is if we, if we were looking at a position like tight end where you have like six guys that you can comfortably use and then there's mm-hmm. Trey Lance, then fine. But you're, we're talking quarterback where you have 19 players who you could reasonably start in most weeks. So, you know, in that environment, it's tough for me to to go off and count on somebody that I, who's a, who's a total unknown at this point on the Arizona side. Is there anything sneaky to you for week five? No, I mean, I think the wide receivers are always the question. Um, I think you stick with DeAndre Hopkins, even though you know, his target share has been disappointing this season. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's getting back to where it's been in years past. I think it could come up a bit. You know, it's at nineteen percent right now. I think he could finish in like the low twenties. Um, so he he's like a low end wide receiver one for me going forward. And then you know, between the rest of the guys, AJ Green and Christian Kirk are kind of on the same level to me. And then Rondell Moore is the clear fourth guy that you really you know can't use until his playing time comes up. Yeah, any of these guys can pop in a given week, but none of them is really worth elevating too much um, because we just can't count on the targets and opportunities being there. James Conner, we've got a, a question in here from mm-hmm. Brock Wild on YouTube. James Conner or Zach Moss this week, which are very similar looking guys. They are very similar looking guys. I, I would start Moss, though. Um, I think he's a bit more involved in the passing game, which helps, and I, I like his matchup better. I mean, the matchup's fine for Conner, but the Chiefs D is just pathetic, so I think – I think, I think the Bills offense should be able to do whatever it wants on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, we'll be getting to that game in a few minutes, but that certainly seems like a game in which you want to have um, players playing. Giants at Dallas, Cowboys by seven points, over under a 52 and a half. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction earlier this week when we were doing our regular 
rankings arguing was to say, no, this isn't a different Daniel Jones than we've seen before, but the guy's second among all quarterbacks in PFF passing grade so far. So it certainly seems like a different Daniel Jones. He's eighth and 10th in football outsiders passing efficiency metrics. He is 12th in QBR. He's also fared well through the first four weeks, despite missing very key pieces of the offense. I mean, at no point so far have the Giants been totally healthy among their pass catchers, and yet Daniel Jones is still delivering. Yeah, I, I did not see uh, 400 passing yards in New Orleans coming last week, you know, without Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. And, and th- those guys both were out of practice on Wednesday, so it looks like they're both going to miss again, which definitely hurts. But I, mean, I hate to say, but uh, Kadarius Tony looked good in week four, kind of in, in place of Sterling Shepard. The Giants used him the right way, just kind of got him the ball near the line of scrimmage and let him use his after catchability. So that helps Daniel Jones. Um, he's still giving us the rushing. Obviously, he's third among quarterbacks in both carries and rushing yards. Um, D- Dallas's D has been solid. Um, they're, they're ninth in football outsiders past D. They're 12th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. So it's not like a great matchup for Daniel Jones. It's also not one I think you have to like avoid. Um, so I, I I do think he's still in play as a you know week four or week five spot start option. Yeah, he's on the edge of our QB1 rankings at this point, and I think that's where he belongs. Good guy to have on your roster right now, uh, especially if he's your backup, if he's your number two quarterback. And Kadarius Tony, quite a Rondell Moore impression last week against the Saints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got the usage Moore should be getting. Um, yeah, uh, Tony led the team with nine targets. Uh, it was an 8.5-yard dot, which usually be like higher dots, but I think Tony should be around, you know, eight yards. You know, again, just get the ball in his hands because he is good, you know, with the ball in his hands. He was 31st in expected fantasy points among wide receivers last week. So we got, you know, wide receiver three usage. I, th- I think he is in play as a wide receiver three, especially in PPR if uh, Sterling Shepard is out again this week. Yeah. I think that's a fairly encouraging a dot for him because he could easily, we could easily see him get used in this role where he's got like a three yard a dot and they're just getting in the ball yeah. at or behind the line of scrimmage most of the time. So that they're going downfield at all certainly helps. And I would not want it to be a double digit thing because then we would get into the range where it's much, you know, higher variance passes and he's going to have a, a lower catch rate and less yardage. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him be, you know, a minor PPR factor over the next few weeks. Not anybody that I'm chasing yeah. after, not anybody I'm definitely starting this week, but an option certainly for deeper teams. And ho- hopefully, you know, when Shepard gets back, they don't stick him back on the outside and keep Tony in the slot because, you know, Shepard's best in the slot, too, and I don't think Tony is capable of playing outside right now. Mm-hmm. He might be capable of keeping Darius Slayton out of the top three. So yeah. we'll see. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, both still out Wednesday with their injuries. So, you know, we'll see where things go, but I think we're assuming right now that they won't be back for week five. Kenny Galladay was limited Wednesday, and so far this season, week two has been the only time where he was not limited <laughs> on Wednesday. In week one, it was a hamstring. In weeks three and four, it was a hip. This week, it's a groin. So I think the fact that it's a new injury makes it even more worth monitoring. I guess the positive here is that he's coming off a season-high snap share in that OT win at New Orleans. Yeah, coming off his most productive game of the season, too, 116 yards on six catches. Still, you know, seven targets, just an 18% target share. Again, uh, Kadarius Tony led the way in target. So the usage wasn't, like, amazing for Galladay, but you know, it, it was his best performance of the season. Uh, like you said, we'll have to keep an eye on that new injury. Um, Saquon Barkley certainly looking much closer to Saquon Barkley now after he had the long touchdown catch at New Orleans and, you know, just outperformed a matchup that was bad for him on the ground. Yeah, I think he looks like – I think he's back. 
Uh, that was a really impressive game, and the usage continues to be impressive as it was in week three. So uh, Berkeley, like a locked in top eight running back, probably top five running back the rest of the way for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Evan Ingram, we kind of alluded to earlier, he's still unexciting, but he did bump up his snap share from 56% in his return game to 68% last week. Second straight game with six targets, so that's a decent level of usage. Really. I, I think we'll see some games of more targets than that. Uh, tight end has, not, has been the most positive matchup against the Dallas defense so far. It's not the kind of tremendously positive matchup that you go chasing, mm-hmm. but a friendly one. Yeah, it's a fine matchup. Um, and like you said, six targets in each of the last two weeks for Ingram. That's, that's you know, relatively good at, at tight end. So I do think um, he's, you know, he's not an exciting player, but I think he's probably going to keep you afloat at tight end. Mm-hmm. Anything else in that game? Want to talk any Cowboys? I mean, there's not, there's not a whole lot to say, I guess. Um, I, I, I do think Dalton, Dalton Schultz is like legit. I think you can use him as like a lower end tight end one. He separated from Blake Jarwin as far as uh, pass routes last week. They'd been pretty much splitting pass routes the first three weeks, but it was uh 79% for Schultz last week. So just 34% for Jarwin. So if that, if that continues, um, you know, Schultz is someone we can count on every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to have to make the decision between Dalton Schultz and uh, Tyler Higby before tonight's game on my main event team this week. I think I'm probably leaning towards Schultz just because I have uh, Dak Prescott as my quarterback there. So it gives it a little bit more upside because really there's not a whole lot else separating the two of them. They're right next to each other in our week five rankings. Yeah, it's right now. I mean, again, if you if Schultz is going to stay at that type of route rate, I think he's right there with Higby. Mm. I'm a little distracted because somebody in the chat on YouTube said that Calvin Ridley, uh, there's there was news on Calvin Ridley this week. He mm. missed Thursday's practice. Um, but I'm not going to say anything beyond that because I don't know what's true. I was trying to see if I could see if there were any reports on it. But we'll be looking into Calvin Ridley beyond the show. And probably by the time you're listening to this on the podcast, you'll know what's true and what's not about him. So for here, we'll move on to the Sunday night game. It's Buffalo at Kansas City. The Chiefs by just two and a half, which I think is noteworthy for a home game for these Chiefs. They're not usually favored by that little at home. Over under 56 and a half. It is the highest of the week. And as we kind of got to a minute ago, I think you're playing everything Buffalo in this matchup against the Chiefs defense. That's been terrible. Yeah, Ridley is out this week. Uh, Shafter tweeted personal issue. Um so that you know, obviously hurts Matt Ryan, helps Kyle Pitts, helps Cord- Cordell Patterson probably, um, but Ridley not not an option for you this week. Yeah, the, the Bills. I mean, you're, start, you're starting everyone, I think, and that includes Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Um, you know, Sanders is 19th among wide receivers in expected fantasy points. Um, you know, he's getting wide receiver two usage just because the Bills are passing it so much. Um, so he he's in play. Um, Cole Beasley's in play. Dawson Knox, I think, to me is like right there with Dalton Schultz, where you know he the usage has been there too. It's not just the production. Um, he's getting the targets. He's running the pass routes. He he's obviously one of the Bills' favorite options when they get near the near the end zone. Um, we even saw that last year with their tight end. So um, I, th- I think Knox, especially in this matchup, should be high scoring. I think Knox is a solid tight end one play this week. Yeah, I, I, he's the kind of guy that I don't think you should hesitate to go ahead and boost into the top 12 range because he hasn't been huge so far in terms of targets, but he's been regularly involved and it's such a high upside offense and a high upside matchup that you go ahead and play him over probably more familiar names um, with confidence. The matchup is worse on the Chiefs side, but uh, you know, you're playing the big three anyway because they're that good. I think the player to, I don't know, not lose sight of reality for is Clyde Edward Lair. Mentioned before, he's coming off two straight 100-yard games. Um, those were in positive matchups. 
his receiving usage has been bad, really. I mean, based on what we thought we were getting last year and even heading into this season without big challenges seemingly in the backfield with him. Three, zero, two, and three targets so far. Seven total catches through four games. Uh, it's He's seen 5.7% target share. This was supposed to be... Clyde Edwards-Elair was supposed to at least be a good receiver, and then we would yeah. see what he was as a runner. He's already getting phased out in that area, and Daryl Williams is finding similar usage. So that tells me the Chiefs have been disappointed with what they've seen from mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Elair as a receiver so far. Yeah, disappointing usage in the passing game. Daryl Williams has all three of the Chiefs' carries inside the five-yard line this season, so I I'm pretty much ready to say that Darrell Williams is this team's goal linebacker. So, you know, know, touchdown upside was one of the big arguments for Everett Zelaya, and I don't even think that's really the case because you know he's going to have to score from distance if he scores. Um, He's he's an RB two to me. Um, He's getting you know that level of work, and it's still you know one of if not the best offenses in the NFL. So he's fine. It's again, he's you know he's 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 not going to be a top ten fantasy back the rest of the way. And his touchdown reception last week was a shovel pass from one yard out. So he's still involved in that area. But yeah, having having Daryl Williams involved as a receiver and a goal linebacker is certainly not good for CEH's outlook. And I mean, I think it says something that you can say it's a decision at least. Even if you end up going with Clyde Edwards-Elair, it's a decision between him and Mike Davis this week. That's that's where he's at as a performer. Yep. Josh Gordon, by the way, (laughs) might play for the Chiefs as soon as this week. We'll see. For me... I, I'm, I'm interested to watch it. I want to see what happens with Josh Gordon because he's an exciting player and the Chiefs are an exciting team. But I'm going to watch it happen on somebody else's roster. I'm honestly not interested in rostering Josh Gordon at all because I don't think that he's going to turn into the kind of guy that you can actually start in lineups at any point. Yeah, probably not. I mean, that's that, that that's most likely. I, I do think, you know, there's there, there's some leagues where he's worth stashing. If your benches are deep enough, um, you could do worse than Josh Gordon, who you know supposedly has looked really good in his first you know week and a half with the team. I I, I do think the whole thing is just a knock on McCole Hardman, who his usage has been coming down anyways. Um, you know, he's he's made up a few plays so far this season, but he but they're many of them haven't been like wide receiver plays. They're still more gadgety stuff. I just I just think that's what he is, and that's why the Chiefs probably are adding Gordon because they're hoping to you know find that true number two wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, you add Gordon because why not? Uh, it, at worst, you lose a guy that you weren't counting on heading into the season anyway, but it, it's going to be yep. tough for him to find regular targets. So yep. um, we'll see. The last game on the slate, Indianapolis at Baltimore Monday night, Ravens by seven over under 46, and that's down two from where it opens. So not an exciting fantasy landscape here. Baltimore is improving on defense. They're up to 12th in overall defensive DVOA, 14th against the pass. They've been solid against the run all all through the young season so far. So I think it makes it a worse spot for the Colts offense and the Colts offense hasn't been awesome in general. Week four at Miami was actually the first positive DVOA rating in a single game for them so far this year, the best DVOA so far in a game for the Colts pass offense. Also the second straight positive DVOA for the rush offense. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor finally got in the end zone, even though it came from like 23 yards out. So he still hasn't scored a goal line touchdown. Um, You know, this is one of the games for JT where you're worried about game flow. If they fall behind, you know, he might end up with a dud. I think you, you have to start him, um, but just know the floor is low. Michael Pittman, I think, is the guy to talk about on the Colts. His usage has been awesome. His production even has been okay. You know, he hasn't killed you the last three weeks. He's finished wide receiver 13, wide receiver 32, and wide receiver 38. 
Um, but Pittman's 14th among all wide receivers in targets. He's 19th in air yards, and he's eighth in our expected fantasy points usage. Uh, so he, you know, he's getting wide receiver one type volume. Um, obviously, has been inefficient because, as you said, the Colts' offense hasn't been good. Um, but I, I, I think there's better days coming for Pittman, and I think he's already like a wide receiver three. And I think he, you know, could turn into a top 25 wide receiver if this Colts off if Colts offense gets going. Yeah, I mean, 12, 12, and 8 targets the past three weeks, six-plus catches in each of those games. He can be inefficient at that kind of usage level and yep. still be a good fantasy receiver for us. We'll see what T.Y. Hilton's return means when he does return, but he certainly wasn't a number one receiver last year without yep. a full Michael Pittman around. So I would assume that Michael Pittman will continue in that role. And I think Michael Pittman's somebody that I need to adjust my own internal expectation for going forward because I think the usage that he's seeing and probably the continued pass volume for this team – is going to help him the rest of the way. I agree with the downside matchup for Jonathan Taylor. So be wary of that. I don't think that I could sit Jonathan Taylor, as I said, in favor of Mike Davis or Miles Sanders. I would not sit Jonathan Taylor for Damian Williams, but I do think I would sit Jonathan Taylor for Cordero Patterson or Leonard Fournette this week. As odd as that would sound looking back at the season. And Fournette, Fournette I could see in PPR. Um, Pat Patterson, I, I don't think I could do it. I just he, I don't think I could. He's behind both of those guys in our PPR rankings right now. <laughs> All right, maybe I should then. Trust the projections. <laughs> You're gonna have to arm wrestle with ds.com <laughs> if you disagree with that. Yeah. Um, by the way, we've also got a question in on YouTube: Pittman or Robert Woods? I think I would go Pittman over Robert Woods. Yeah, that one's tough for me. Like I like Pittman's usage better. I like the the outlook for the Rams' offense much better. I I think I'd actually lean towards Woods there. I do think it's a coin flip decision. I think if you're betting on who gets more targets, the bet is Pittman and that would make him the higher floor guy. I do think that Robert Woods has a higher ceiling in this one. Agreed. Um, Before we wrap up with the Colts, I think if you're looking at Moali Cox this week and wondering what if, remember that two weeks ago we were looking at Jack Doyle and wondering what if it's just not a situation to buy into right now. Kylan Granson ran more pass routes than MAC last week. Right. Which is just, Crazy. I don't get what Mo Alley Cox ever did to deserve this. Um, but yeah, uh, Jack Doyle was banged up last week too. Um, he was limited in that game. So, you know, if he, if he's back to full health, you know, he, he probably steps back in as, as the leader there. On the Baltimore side, Marquise Brown has been terrific. We mentioned him a little bit earlier. He profiles similarly to Jamar <laughs> Chase in that he's not getting high target volume. Um, so that's going to add variance to him, but he's been playing well. He's in a good situation for scoring points. He's 14th in PPR points right now, just 31st among wide receivers and targets. I guess I'll take Marquise Brown among the top 36 in targets. I think he's easy to like in low wide receiver two range with clearly upside beyond that. If he gets more targets or just happens to score. Yeah. Third 31st in targets, but ninth in air yards and he's 21st in our expected fantasy points. So, you know, he's, he's even pretty clearly ahead of Jamar chase in expected fantasy points. Um, so I, I think keep rolling with Marquise Brown. We'll, we'll see what happens when Rashad Bateman gets back. Maybe he debuts this week. I would expect him to be limited if he does, but you know, we'll see if Bateman, you know, cuts into Brown's usage at all. With Sammy Watkins, I want to see if he can catch exactly four passes in every single <laughs> game this year. Me too. That'd be cool. And finally on Baltimore, I've been distrusting Lamar Jackson a little bit so far, but I think that I might be looking at it wrong because he's sitting on just 3.2% passing touchdown rate and he's still quarterback six in total points. So I think rather than being concerned about him, he might be a buy right now. He might be. He's been a floor play. If you look at his weekly finishes, he's gone quarterback 14, then quarterback two, and then quarterback 13 and quarterback 16. Um, Baltimore too, by the way, is passing a lot more this season they're middle of the pack in situation neutral 
pass rate where they've been bottom three the previous two years, um, which is interesting. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's better for Lamar's fantasy value or not because you want him rushing. Um, but, you know, it, he, again, he's still been fine in fantasy despite that low passing touchdown rate that you mentioned. And he's still leading the position in rushing yards, so it certainly can't yeah. be killing that area for him. That's yep. going to do it for this Week 5 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com. Now you can see our full Week 5 rankings to help you finalize those lineup decisions. Check the My Teams page. You can get customized lineup recommendations based on your scoring format. You can also find us anytime in the free DraftSharks Discord. You can find the link to join that in the description for this podcast, wherever you might be consuming it. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.